Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Heavenly Father, we come before you once again this evening with gratitude in our hearts. We are grateful, first of all, for the life that you've given us. Because if it was not for your breath, none of us would be here this evening. So we are grateful, Father, for life. And then we are particularly grateful for not just life, but life in you. That our lives are hid in Christ, in your God. That you are our Father, you are our Savior. And we just bless you for that. Thank you also, Father, for your mercies that were new over our lives this morning, according to your word. Thank you for your goodness, for your grace and your faithfulness. We bless you everlasting, Father. It is a privilege to be able to come to learn of you by your spirit, looking into your word. And we just ask this evening that you will teach us again. Lord, every time we come and every time your children read your word, look into your word, open our eyes to give us more insight into who you are. And then as importantly, help us to become more and more like you. We bless you, Lord Jesus, be enthroned in all we do tonight. Be glorified and Holy Spirit, please take control, take over and just teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, um, before we go into today's Bible study, I just felt, um, I was saying to my wife that I just felt um, to just do a quick prayer. Um, just heard on the news, I'm sure most of you uh, must have, about the 20-year-old boy who jumped into the river Thames to save a woman. Um, and unfortunately, he died trying to save somebody else. The woman that fell into the river she was saved um, but he jumped in and unfortunately died and uh, uh, they revealed the identity this evening and um, I just felt in my spirit that let's just spend a few seconds a minute and just pray for him um, I don't know him I'm sure you don't know him somebody may know him but God knows God knows the family so let's just pray father we we just come before you this evening, O oh God, just to ask you to be God again in the life of this family. The truth is, we cannot imagine what the family will be going through. The realization that their young son will not be with them again on this side of eternity. And only because he chose to do the right thing. He, he wanted to save somebody else. And the person was saved, but he has now come to be with you by your grace. Lord, we just ask, please, that you will reach out your hands of comfort to this family. Um, father, mother, we don't know, siblings, please just reach out and touch them in, in a supernatural way. Like your word says, your peace that passes all understanding, made garrison in the hearts of God. May, may, may his sacrifice may not be in vain, O oh God, because it was certainly a sacrifice, O oh God, may it not be in vain. And may your name be glorified through it. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Um, yeah, I just I just felt to to just pray for that family. It must be very harrowing for them. Um, this this news. Amen. So today we continue our journey, our conversation um, that we started two weeks ago, and um, we will. We have one more session after this and we will finish and then go on to something else by God's grace. But um, our principal scripture, main scripture, we started from John chapter 15. And as usual, I will do a quick summary uh, for the benefit of anybody that might just be joining for the first time. And then even for the rest of us, just to recap. So quick summary, John chapter 15, I wouldn't read the whole scripture um, from verses 1 to um to to eight and then 16 and this is jesus saying i'm the true grapevine he says my father's the gardener. he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes those that produce bear fruit so that they will produce even more fruit he says remain in me and i'll remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me uh, goes on to say, yes, I'm a vine, and uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away, and like a useless branch withers. Uh, says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and you'll be granted. Verse 8 says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And in verse 16, he says, I've appointed, you didn't choose me, I chose you, I'm paraphrasing. I, I appointed you to bear fruit that would last. And um, we've since come to understand, um, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, there are many reasons why we read the Bible. We ask the question, why, why do we read the Bible? There are many reasons why we read the Bible. There are many reasons why we study the Bible. Number one and top of the list must be that we study the Bible to know God. It, it's foundational. We can't have a relationship with a God we do not know. So we study the Bible so that we can know God. We can know the mind of God um, and, and, and all that. We also study the Bible, read the Bible, because we want to um, be instructed by his word. We want to be guided by his word, encouraged by his word, uh, corrected by his word. We read the Bible because we want to identify the promises of God um, so that we can know how best to enjoy God. You know, like uh, Moses said in Exodus 33, verse 12, he says, show me your ways so that I can know you better and continue to enjoy you. So we read the Bible for that. But it's very important we understand, and that's why we're doing this particular series of Bible study, that one of the key reasons why we read the Bible, uh, one of the key things that God wants is so that we can bear fruit. And we have come to understand that the fruit that Jesus is referring to is the fruit of character. Um, you all know that uh, you all know that a fruit, uh, sorry, a tree bears fruit that is representative of the nature of that tree. So you see a fruit, and you instantly know this is the type of tree that th this this tree is. In the same way that Jesus is saying, "I am the tree, I am the branch." So what is Jesus saying that? If you are the branches, if you are my followers, if you belong to me, people should see you and see in you a representation of who I am. So when Jesus says, 
we must bear fruit. He's talking about bearing the fruit. And incidentally, uh, let, let me just um, include this. The mandate in Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28, when the Bible says, be fruitful, multiply. So there's general fruitfulness in terms of being productive. God wants us to be productive in every area of our lives. But the principal fruit must be the fruit of Christ-like character or godly character, if, if you like. Um, and that's why we are studying this bit, just to challenge us in this regard. We went on to look at John chapter 1, um, where the Bible reminds us that the word that we study, the Bible that we read, is actually representative of Jesus, because the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh, referring to Jesus's um, manifestation as the word of God. So when we study the word of God, we are studying, like I said, to know God, but as importantly, to be like God. And some of the scriptures that we looked at, and please, I want to encourage you, um, ladies and gentlemen, look at these scriptures in, in, in depth, you know, just meditate on them, look on them. Uh, Philippians chapter one, and I'm reading mostly from the New Living Translation. If I change translation, I'll let you know. Philippians chapter one, in verse 10, Paul says to the Philippians, says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Verse 11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. There goes again, the fruit of your salvation, the result, the, the produce of your salvation. And he says, the righteous character that is produced in your life by Jesus Christ. And um, talking about that, that word righteous, um, the, the, the Greek word, the, the word righteous has two connotations. The word righteous means, first of all, right standing with God. So we become righteous through the sacrifice on the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So we have right standing with God. But the word righteous also means right living, right living according to the nature of God. So let, let's not forget that. So when, when, when Paul says, the righteous character, the fruit that is produced as a result of our relationship with, with God. He's talking about, first of all, the connection, the right standing. That's what Jesus was saying, the branch connected to the tree. But then it's not just that, it's also right living as a result of our connection, the right kind of character um, that we should, uh, um, we should uh, present. And then we looked at, so three scriptures that we looked and I'd encourage you to just keep looking at them. Second Corinthians chapter three, and I'm just um, giving a quick update up till 7, 4, 14, we'll do the declaration. And uh, second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18, it says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It is the plan of God, the mind of God. What God wants, ladies and gentlemen, more than anything, is that as we walk with him, as we relate with him, we become more and more like him. And then lastly, Romans chapter eight, uh, verses 28 to 29. Very famous scriptures that we read, Romans chapter eight, 
8.28, it says, and we know that, um, let me find it, Romans 8.28, uh, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, and we'll, we'll explore this a bit later. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, and are called according to his purpose for them. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That word, he chose them, he knew them in the God's plan. He foreknew you and I and his plan that we would become like his son. That's why it's important um, that we challenge ourselves as we look into the Bible, that what is God's expectation and how do we bear godly fruit? So let's do the declaration. Um, let's do it together. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name we humble ourselves we pray and we seek your face we turn from our wicked ways hear from heaven lord forgive our sins and heal our land in jesus's name we pray amen we declare that our land is healed in the name of jesus amen 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 so those scriptures are in pair. Um, the, 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 so we've got John 15, 1 to 8 and 16. That's our principal scripture. And then we've got um, Philippians 1, 9 to 11. We've got 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And then Romans 8, 28 to 29. Okay, so very quickly, we, we asked ourselves the question, what is character? Um, if, if Jesus is saying, I want you to bear fruit and we understand fruit um, in this instance to be the character, the, the, the nature of Jesus. What is character? We said that character is basically the aggregate of a person's attributes, um, a person's traits and features, how you behave, how you respond, the things that you do, um, particularly our moral att attributes that determine our attitudes and our conduct. And remember, if you don't forget righteous, that word righteous character is right living, right conduct. So how we live, how we conduct ourselves, particularly when people are not watching us, because we agree that many times, you know, you can put up a front, you can act or behave in a particular way, but it's not really representative of who you really are. Your character is who you really are, um, particularly when people are not watching. Um, so, so we looked at character, and then we, we asked ourselves the question, and this is really the crux. We said, why is character important to God and to man? And the answer very simply, um, it, this is just um, a quick update. The answer is very simple, that, that, like I said, first of all, God wants us to represent him. Um, it, it, it becomes a fallacy if we say that, we are children of God or we belong to God. We are those branches um, um, coming from the vine, but you don't look like the tree at all. On the, if that's the case, it actually brings disrepute to God more than anything else because you know people are saying, no, but you say you're a Christian, but we can't see Christ in you. So character is very important to God. That's why he wants us to develop a godly character. But as importantly, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you all agree with this is that, Character is also important to people. You know, people 
but don't let anyone deceive you. When people come in contact with you, when people interact with you, they're looking to see who you really are, what you're made of, uh, what, what kind of person you are, your character. Um, I gave an example of how Henry Forbes, the, the founder of the Forbes Foundation, you know, said he made all his money, multi-billionaire, made all his money, not by investing in the strategy of the company, but by looking at the character of the CEOs of the companies. He says, once I study the, the, the CEO of the company, I know whether I should invest in this company or not. And that's quite instructive, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we, we also said uh, last week, I think it was, or maybe the first week, that people cannot rise above the limitations of their character. And I'll expand on this a bit later. Um, we can't rise above the limitations of our character. Some, many times, not sometimes, we find that our character flaws shortchange us or hinder us from reaching the places where God has planned for us. And there are many examples in the Bible. If we get a chance, we'll look at them. And um, thirdly, we spent a few uh, a bit just differentiating between personality and character. Now, many times those two words are used interchangeably, personality. Many, many people use them interchangeably because there's a bit of overlap between them. But the reason why I particularly wanted to differentiate was to differentiate between personality, which are attributes that you are born with. They are intrinsic things that God puts in you before you're born, as compared to character that you develop um, in, in, the, in the course of living life, as we journey in life. Um, and if anybody has questions about that, you can please ask questions later. I'm just very quickly doing a recap. So difference between um, character and, uh, and personality in that regard. Um, having done that very brief recap, and I, I hope it was sufficient for anybody who was just joining us for the first time, mm. um, but please feel free to ask questions as we go along. Um, we wanted to look at how do we develop character? Um, because we said last week that character, very, very important, um, very, very important to God, important to ourselves as well. Um, character is formed, character is molded in the course of a person's life journey. My question is, how do we develop character? And how does the Bible help us understand the way that character is developed? So remember, I asked the question last week for those of you who were, who were there. I asked you to ask yourself the question that how has your character been developed in the course of the last few years? Um, how do you develop character? And in what ways has God tested your character? Because we will talk about that in, in a minute, that God always tests our character. So anybody who is willing to volunteer, who is going to be our guinea pig today, can you just help us? How do we develop character? And if you use yourself as an example, just any example, not, nothing long at all, just how do we develop character? Who is going to help us? Who's going um, to be a, a guinea pig? I think um, what what is that what, Pierre? Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay, good. Um, what I wrote was first by desiring God's character, then by reading his word, studying it and meditating on it, and then trying to act on it in my everyday life. Um, and then in terms of um, ways in which that he's tested this, um, just in like everyday situations, probably all um, every situation but particularly in the areas that I've struggled in um, and whether I choose what he wants or not. Okay very very good. Any particular example that you don't mind sharing with us just to um, I think one thing was um, I can't remember it was like a day or two ago it was just like overeating I was like, oh, do you know what? Let me have this extra. I think it was last night. I made some homemade burgers and um, it, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, you know what? Just make one. And I had an extra bap there. And I was like, oh, let me make it. And I started making it. And it was just, I didn't feel too good after. So, yeah. That, so that what, was, what was God working out in you? Uh, Self-control. Very, Self very good. Very good. Okay. So we'll, we'll try and look at some of them today. But very good example, Pear. Anybody else um, says by being intentional, uh, Pierre mentioned that very, very important. That's why I said we must come to terms with the reason why we read the Bible. It says by being intentional when we read the word of God, not just reading, but living out the word. Very true, Telma, but I'm going to challenge you <laughs> um, because we want to be practical about this. So let me read the scripture to you. Um, Matthew chapter 7. And um, it, it's one of the, the scriptures that challenges me when I look into the Bible. Matthew chapter 7, I'll read first from verses uh, 1 to, 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 um, to one to 5 and then 15 to 30. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. This is the New Living Translation. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? when you have a log in your own, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Verse five, it says, hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And um, let me pause for a second. You see that word hypocrite. Uh, if, when I used to read it, I'm sure you know that most of the time um, uh, Jesus referred to the Pharisees as hypocrites. Um, I'd, I'd read it and think, oh, that's a bit harsh. You know, why, why, why is he saying hypocrites? But when you look into the meaning, the word hypocrite, the Greek word has two, two meanings, hupo and kritis. It, it's, the word hypocrite means a play actor. So it means that you're not real to yourself. You're not true to yourself. You're just play acting. And he's saying, you know, in, and I'm sure you guys will agree that many times we are quick to point out the flaws in other people rather than the flaws in ourselves. So it says, you know, sort yourself out first before you look at other people. Now look at this from verse 15. It says, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Mm -hmm. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Remember, the fruit is your character. It says you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act, the way they behave. 
He said, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Exactly the same thing that he was saying in John 15. A tree that is not bearing fruit is useless to God. Well, useless to God and it withers. And then listen, he says in verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. It's the same way that people look at us and they can identify who we belong to or what we profess by our actions, not what we say incidentally, because he is challenging, actually, maybe I should ask you the question. Um, so why, why, why did Jesus keep calling the Pharisees hypocrites? Remember the Pharisees were the top religious leaders. Why did he keep calling them hypocrites? And if you use the example that I gave you, the word hypocrite means play actor. Why was he calling them hypocrites? Anybody? Their words Anybody? weren't matching their actions. Sorry? Their words weren't matching their actions. Yes, true, Christiana, but it's something more than that. Very true. Their words were not matching their questions, but something else. Their, their behavior weren't really godly. Okay, yes, very true. Very true, but, but some, something else. Um, they were not practicing. <laughs> You're good. You guys are going very fast for me. They, they don't practice what they preach. They were behaving as if they had no flaws. Very good. They were behaving as if they had no flaws. You remember the story? I can't remember where it was in the Bible where, you know, they were always quick to point to the um, non-Jews and say, these are the sinners. <laughs> Meanwhile, they were, like Jesus says, they were sepulchers. Okay. Um, not living God's true nature. Okay. I need somebody to tell me the chats are going too quickly. Self-righteous. Very true. Very self-righteous. Uh, they miss the arrival of the. <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> you know, I always say, because... I always say to God, I always say to God, you know, when I'm praying, sometimes I say, you know, Lord, I'm grateful that I wasn't born when you came, because I might have been one of the Pharisees that crucified Jesus. Okay, let somebody tell me, why was... did God call them hypocrites? Yes, because they were not practicing what they preach, but it's slightly deeper than that. And, it, and it's what applies to us. You've already said the answer, but I need somebody to say. Because yeah. they were worse than the people they, they criticized. Yes, true, true. But I just need one more reason, one more reason. I gave you the clue, but can somebody tell me why did Jesus, why was Jesus so hard on them? Why was he so hard on them? They anybody? didn't do the basic things of Christianity like loving one another, serving, but they were more worried about doing what was like... Uh... Okay, all, all that is true. But the reason why Jesus was hard on them, ladies and gentlemen, is that they were supposed to be the custodians of the law. They were the ones who had the word of God. They were the ones who knew the word of God. And technically, what should have happened is that, like us, as they studied the word... They should have been changed by the word. That was Jesus' challenge. So they had the word. 
they were preaching the word, but they were not being changed by the word. And you can, if you translate that to today's Christianity, that must be so painful to God, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know, we read the word, we have the word of God. And, you know, we, we, in fact, I, I wrote in my notes when I was preparing that, do you know that there are people who know the Bible from beginning to the end, but you don't see the Bible in their lives? That must be very painful to God. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, let me go on. So many, let me see the, the questions. And they stopped others from coming to God. Absolutely. This is why character is so important because the whole essence is that if people see you and see godly character in you, it attracts them to the God that we serve. But, in, um, but of course, we, we see the, the converse. You know, I, I, I had a long chat with, um, I was talking to a lady yesterday. I, I think she's on, on the study today. And we had a long chat for almost over an hour. I, I was really blessed. And she was just, you know, pouring her heart. And then she made a statement which kind of stopped me in, in her tracks. She said, she said, Doc, that there's no power in, the, the reason why there's no power in the church anymore is because a lot of our Christianity is for sure. And that, <laughs> it, was, it was like a dagger that just went through my head. I thought it's so true. And the reason, ladies and gentlemen, is that a lot of what God wants to do, he wants to do through vessels that represent him, that look like him. He wants to release his power through vessels that look like him. And we'll, we'll go into that very quickly. But how else do we, develop character because i want us to touch on one of those characters or characteristics how else do we develop character so pair and a number of you have said it's first of all being intentional you we must understand that it's the mind of god is what god wants it brings glory to god that's why when jesus came out of the water when he was being baptized you remember in Matthew chapter three, the last 17 and 18, the Bible says the voice came and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. For those of you who were in the first session, I said, why was God pleased with Jesus? He hadn't done anything. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't done anything. But the Bible says God commended him and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased because like you and I know from the time he was born up till 30 when he started his ministry, something was going on. How do we develop character? Anybody? Okay. Uh, knowing the word, yes. We'll, we'll, knowing the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to take over you so you can begin to manifest. How does that happen? Okay, can somebody, Abimbola, can you explain a bit more? Allowing the Holy Spirit to take over you so you can begin. You're right, but please, can you expansiate? Allowing the Holy um, Spirit to take over you so you can begin to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, can you expansiate? Hi, um, is um, by basically soaking in the Word of God, um, being righteous intentionally every single moment of your life, and then when you go wrong, um, you know, pleading the blood, asking for forgiveness, and then carrying on to continue to do and abide in the word of God and making sure you're following 
the word of God. So that way, the Holy Spirit is guiding you all the day of your life. Okay, very, very good. Okay, so on the one hand, ladies and gentlemen, we've got being intentional about reading the word of God. Like Pierre said, it is we don't read the Bible just because we want the blessings. We don't read the Bible just because we want to be encouraged. And all those things are fantastic. We read the Bible with the intention that I want to be like what the Bible says. I want to be like what Jesus says. Um, so we've got the word of God. We look into the word of God. But at the same time, like Abimbal has just explained, we allow the Holy Spirit to bring the word, that, sorry, the word alive in our lives. So we are intentional about doing what the word says and then allowing the Holy Spirit to be the umpire as well as the helper in molding the, 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 the character of God, the word of God in our lives. Let me read some scriptures um, and um, I'll, I'll let you guys break down the scriptures for me. So Jesus went to the temple at the age of 12. And um, we talked about that two weeks ago. His parents came looking for him and he says, How, why were you worried? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Um, what was he doing in his father's house? He was talking to, he was speaking to the, the, the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders. Um, he was asking them questions. They were amazed at the questions. And then he goes away. And from 12 to 30, age 12 to 30, we don't hear anything about Jesus, but obviously something was happening. Apart from the word, apart from the Holy Spirit, how do we develop character? How? How? Anybody? By being a doer of the word. Um, okay, so I'll still put that with the word. So that's still part of the word. Practice. Okay, somebody says practice habits. Okay, the doer of the word, but how? In what way? So apart from, so we all agree that the first, the starting point is the word of God. Yeah. Whatever it is, the word, the word says, because the word is Jesus. We learn or read the character of Jesus. Yeah. And like second Corinthians 3, 18 says, the more we look into the mirror of the word, the more we want to become like the word. We agree. We also agree, ladies and gentlemen, that the Holy Spirit is critical because he's the one that helps us to do these things. Our flesh will not want to, to, do, to develop godly character, but how else do we develop character? Um, I love this, I love this. Okay, oh, I wish you weren't going so fast. I, I love it. Somebody says, oh, you guys are going so fast. <laughs> um, okay, let me tell you the, the, the ones that I like. So experiences, but life's experiences, I, I saw something, oh my God, you're going too fast, you guys. Um, ah, there was something that I saw. Yes, yes, Joan, Joan. Observing the people we admire and modeling their character. So I have a question for you, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's very easy to be spiritual in inverted commas. We know that we develop character by looking at the word because the word is the example. We know we need the Holy Spirit. But how about somebody who doesn't know Christ? How about somebody who's not a Christian? Pastor, do they develop character? 
Pastor, I think it's knowledge, experience, and um, your knowledge, your experience, and your life, life challenges, basically, how you deal with your life challenges. Thank you so very much. Your knowledge, your experience, and your life challenges. Because what I was trying to tease out is that somebody who does not know Christ, who does not read the Bible, for example, do they develop character? Of course they do. Now, is it godly character? Not necessarily because they don't have the word as an example, but we develop character through our life's experiences, ladies and gentlemen, through our life's experiences, because life molds us. Life is like the, the practice ground. You know, somebody says we practice, but how do you practice? You practice in life. So you read the Bible, fantastic. And we've got to be intentional. So we read the Bible, we'll look at it. Okay, this is what Jesus says about the godly character. We'll, we'll look at one of those in a minute. As a Christian, you know that you cannot do it by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. But how do you actually do? You have to go into the playing field. It's in the playing field that you actually play the football. You can learn about football all you like until you actually go and kick the ball. So I'm going to read the scripture to you. Romans chapter 5. Very important. Romans chapter 5. And Romans chapter 5. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. Endurance is just, you know, being able to persevere and endure through whatever it is we go through in life. Verse 4, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts and with his love. So ladies and gentlemen, we develop character through, and we're talking about godly character now. We develop godly character through the word. The word is example. The word is the tree. We want to be like the word. We need the help of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But our character is formed in the cauldron of life's experiences. So you're reading about goodness being a godly character, godly trait. Or actually, let me, let me give you an, an, let's say you're reading about truthfulness being a godly trait. You want, you know, so you're thinking, hmm, okay, uh, truthfulness, I want truthfulness to be part of my godly character traits because our, our Lord and Savior, you know, the, that's who he is. Uh, the Bible says in John, John 1, um, 14 and 18. Um, it says full of truth. And um, I can't remember what the other word is. I'll, I'll look it up in a second. But how does that work practically? Guess what? It is as you step into the arena of life. Oh, sorry. Somebody says, can I write the scriptures in the chat? Okay. okay. <laughs> God, will help me? Um, can, can, I, can I go through them? I'll, I'll keep mentioning them so that you can write them. Okay, somebody, thank you so much. Somebody can write that for me, please. John 1, 14 and John 1, 18. Yeah. And um, the scripture we just read now is Romans chapter 3. Sorry, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 in the New Living Translation. So character is developed in the cauldron of life as we go through life. The 
challenges of life, the ups and downs of life are the practice ground, the playing field where our character is really developed. Otherwise, it will just be theory. You know, you read the Bible, you spend hours, you spend hours in front of the Bible, you're looking into the mirror, you're looking into the mirror, fantastic, you're asking the Holy Spirit to help you, fantastic, but guess what, all that does not do anything until you step into the playing field. So Paul says that the challenges of life, the things we go through, the ups and downs of life are the things that help to develop our character. Uh, I wrote here that you don't know if you really know something until you have started doing it or experiencing it. And you don't know if you really know something until you have been tested about it. That's why we said last week, how do we develop character and in what ways have we been tested? Because ladies and gentlemen, as a good teacher, God will always test our character. Why does he test? To show you whether you really know, to show you whether it's really there or not. You know, we can say to ourselves, and I'm sure we all do this quite a number of times, where you say to yourself, you know, I'm really humble, or I'm kind, or I'm that. God will test you to show you whether you're really that or not. And so part of developing character in fact, it comes alongside our daily walk is that God will always test our character. Um, quite a number of examples that we can look at. Oh, actually, let, let me go back to that example um, in Matthew chapter. Okay, Matthew, Matthew 3, 17 to 18 was when Jesus was baptized and then he came up. And God says, this is my dearly beloved son. Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says he was then, he was then led, Matthew 4, um, from chapter, Matthew 4 from verse 1. It says he was then led into the wilderness to be tested. Isn't it instructive, ladies and gentlemen, that it was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness? So one minute, he's being um, acclaimed, he's being... You know, he, he's being acclaimed by God to say, this is my son. I'm really pleased in him. And then the next minute, he's been led into the wilderness. So I asked the question two weeks ago. Maybe I should ask the question again. Why did Jesus have to be tested in the wilderness? Why? Why? Anybody? Why? Why did he have to go through all of that to prove his character yes but can can you expantiate we know we know it's to prove his character but can you expantiate to prove his faith okay to who to god his father okay does everybody okay. agree is it to preparing for what's to come okay no so the i think the preparation was from 12 to 30, okay? But he was now tested, tested in the wilderness. What was the reason why he was being tested? I think because he, um, because he, has a, he had achieved what he came to do and it was 
no, 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 Kara. He hadn't achieved anything. He hadn't done anything just yet in terms of the actual ministry. So he was just starting his ministry. Okay, I thought it was because he had to show that he knew he was who he was in Christ in God. Yes. So, so if you translate that to the answer to my question, why was he tested? Why was he taken out to the wilderness? Sorry, Pastor, would you say is the wilderness is a place where we're tested, where we form a character, we're forced or we're not forced, where we decide if we're going to depend on, I'm thinking on the Holy Spirit, on God. Because I look at the sense of he was tested, but he, he, even though he is, God and God's son, yeah. he still dependent on God and the Holy Spirit to see him through that testing time. It wasn't a case of I could do it on my own because I have all the power and all the might. Yes. You so, know, it, yeah, it, it's actually very interesting. Um, I, I think I had uh, someone a while back where somebody said, we've got to be careful when we read the Bible that to always remember that Jesus was fully man and fully yes. God. Um, so, he was fully man in the sense that he was just like you and I. Um, it's just that he was also fully God, and those things were interchangeable at the appropriate times. But um, I'll, I'll come to your question in a second, um, uh, May. But I, I love a number of people said to be an example. Now, we read the Bible, remember, the Bible says that when we read the Bible, that we learn from the examples of the Bible. So that's very important. Now, May, to your question, so the, the wilderness is a metaphor for a difficult situation, difficult environment, difficult circumstances, yeah? So Jesus was growing up 12 to 30, largely, and this is me uh, postulating, and you guys can disagree with me. Um, he was growing up in his father's house, in his mother's house, being a carpenter. He must have had run-ins with young children um, and you know, the, the different things in life that help us develop our character, yeah? But he was about to start his ministry where the power of God was now going to be manifest through him and he would start to declare his sonship. The reason why he was tested, and I think it was uh, Rita or Clara said, is that the test is always for you first before anybody else. When you're in school, ladies and gentlemen, when we go to school and, you know, the teacher does all the, the, the um, um, teaches us all the lessons and stuff, and then they give us the test. Who is the test for? Who, whose benefit is the test? It is not for the teacher. It is primarily for you to see what you know and whether you really know this thing. So even for Jesus, our Savior, our example, before he stepped out, he needed to be tested to prove to himself first that, you know what, I can handle this thing. I know what it is. And please, let's not underestimate that temptation. You know, we really very glibly, you know, the, um, Satan came and said, um, do this and do that. We'll, we'll hopefully, yeah, we've still got a bit of time. We'll look into this in a minute. Um, it's, it's not that easy. It was necessary to prove to himself that, you know what, I can handle 
what I'm about to go through. Um, so the test was primarily for himself and then secondarily, like somebody said, as an example. Okay. Now, I want us to very quickly look today at one character trait and we'll end with that. We've got um, 12 minutes or so, 10 minutes, and we'll end with that. I wish we had a bit more time. And um, this character trait, actually the two character traits we're gonna talk about when we end. So we'll do one very quickly today. I don't think we'll finish and then we'll carry it over to the second one. I think the two critical character traits, there are loads of character traits, faithfulness, honesty, uh, gentleness, um, the fruits of the spirit, we'll look at them the, 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 the next week. Um, but there are two principal ones I'd like us to sink our teeth into. And we'll start one of them today. Let me start it from Matthew. Do, 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 do. Where's my scripture? I've lost my school. What's Matthew? Sorry, just give me a second. I thought I had it with me. Do, 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 do. <laughs> sorry, sorry, bear with me. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. Where's it? Yes, I've got it. Matthew 11. Okay. Matthew 11. Remember, we are looking into the mirror of the word. We want to be like our Lord and Savior. Two things that we must challenge ourselves with. Matthew 11, in terms of character development. Matthew 11, verse 29. Yeah, that's it. Let me start from verse 28. You know the scripture it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. I'm sure you know Jesus is describing his nature, his character. He says, let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's look very quickly at this great character trait called humility, very important. So Jesus himself says, remember, I'm the tree, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I need you to bear fruit, I need you to be like me, bear fruit, character like me. Now he's telling us one of his, if actually two, he says, I am humble and I'm gentle, yeah? Um, when we look next week, we'll see whether the two mean the same thing or not. But let's just focus on humility, yeah? What does humility mean? You know, we say these words, we use them a lot. But what does it really mean? We've got eight minutes and we will end. Anybody? Humility. To put, to put others above ourselves and to serve others. Okay, so to put others above ourselves. So that we can the serve others. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I love, I love, I love, I have to read this to you. Millicent, Millicent says, um, humility means to be humble. <laughs> I, I love that. Okay. So what does it mean to be humble? Uh, preferring others with love and respect. Okay. The opposite of pride and arrogance. That's Sophie. Okay, Sophie, you have to stop there. So don't, don't. 
So if you say the opposite of pride and arrogance, what is pride, Sophie? Sophie, what is pride? So we can understand humility. Hmm. Hmm. What is pride? Could you say it's when you think of yourself more highly than you actually are? Yes, yes, it, it is. Now, guys, I need a favor from you. This is Bible study, yeah? Let's think through this. Uh, let's think through it practically. Let's not just throw words and definitions and say, so when we say pride is to think about yourself more highly than you ought to. How does that work in practice? Or with humility, when we say humility, it means to prefer others. How, what does that look like in practice? What is the, what, what's humility? What, what does that re, what, what's that really in practice? Um, when we say regarding others highly than you are. Hmm, okay, so I like the definition, but what does it really mean in practice? He says, Candice, you said to have a low view of your own importance. Candice, can, can you explain that, please? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. What so do you mean by to have not, a low view of yourself? So it's not about, sorry, good evening, Pastor. It's not about low, low self-esteem or having yeah. low self-pride or low self-worth. Mm. It's about the ability to consider somebody else higher than yourself, okay. um, more important than yourself. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, very, very good. I, I just wanted you to clarify for all of us that it's not the same thing as low self-esteem. Yeah. No, not um, at all. So you can you 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 can have healthy self-esteem, but still be humble. Um humility is an act of leadership, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of your <laughs> wonderful for me, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. For me, I need you to come and sit in front of the church. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Very, very important. Um, Jesus became equal to man. Very good, very good example, Millicent. That, and you know the, the how the Bible describes it in, um, in Philippians chapter two, that even though he was God, he did not think about his position as God. He didn't let that deter him from doing what he wanted to do. He brought himself low. So because of time, that word, humility, the Greek word is anon, A-N-A-W. It means a condition of sincere, straightforward behavior with a lack of arrogance and pride, an honest assessment of who you are and where you are, is, is an honest assessment of self. You're not thinking of yourself more than or trying to bring yourself above other people. The, the word, that Greek word, ano, also means stooping low. Now, when you stoop low, it's not because you are lower than the other person. I hope somebody understands. It is a conscious act of bringing yourself into a position where, like somebody said earlier, you're better able to serve other people. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. So remember, Jesus, he washes the feet of the disciples, yeah? Gets to, um, to, to, to Peter 
And Peter says, no, 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 I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And says, you don't understand what it is I'm doing. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I'm doing this as an example. Go and do the same. And then in the same verse, he says, a, a, a student is not greater than the master. A servant is not greater, sorry, student is not greater than the teacher. A servant is not greater than the master. So he establishes the fact that, look, I'm your master, I'm your teacher, but I can bring myself low so that I can serve you and wash your feet. I hope somebody understands. I love this. Olani says to be empty of self. Yeah, I think the one that I, I really love is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So it's not about you. It's not always about you. It's about other people. And let me end with this last question. Many things that we can talk about, but we'll finish up um, in our last session when we... Why is humility important? Remember, we asked the question, why is character important? Character is important because it's the fruit that represents the God we belong to. Very important, yeah? It's also fruit that people look at. I, I wrote here somewhere, um, our character is the fruit that people see and eat. So people don't eat bad fruit. If you saw an apple tree and it had loads of apples on it, Guess what? You're going to look for the apple that is good. You, do, you, do, you won't see a rotten apple and pluck it and eat it. People don't eat bad fruit. Everybody's looking for good fruit. To eat. So people see our character and they eat our character, if you understand that. Yeah. Now, humility is one of the principal character traits that characterized our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said it himself. He says, I'm humble. Be like me. Why is humility so important to God? To be able to serve effectively. Sorry? To be able to serve effectively. Okay. One, I, I'll accept that, yes. To be able to serve. Yeah. Anybody? Anybody? To help us place other people's... Oh, wonderful. Sophie to help us place other people's needs above our own. Um, time doesn't permit, but you know, that word serve, it comes from the root word minister. Um, when you look at serve in, in the Bible, the root word is the word minister. To minister means to meet people's needs. So when you're serving people, you are meeting other people's needs. You can't meet other people's needs when you're consumed by your own self. I really love this. Okay. Um, helps us consider others and serve others well. That's good. Enables us to be caring to each other. Very good. Humility helps us to understand other people. Can Yeah. Okay. I think what you're trying to say, Shio, is that um, when we're humble, when we like, like that definition, when we it's less about us, we're better able to think about other people, consider where they are. Um, remember the, the scripture we read in Matthew chapter seven, where it says, remove the log from your own eyes first before you point to the log in someone else's, okay? Unless we humble ourselves as children, we cannot enter in the kingdom, that's good. It will be hard for God to walk through a person. Okay. Very good, okay. This is what I was looking for. So let me end on this, ladies and gentlemen. 
So humility is critical because it helps us serve other people. It helps us place people's needs before us. It helps us see other people instead of seeing ourselves. But one of the key reasons why humility is critical is that God trusts humility. God will trust his power and his purpose to a, somebody who is humble. And I love the way, who was the, I think, I'm not sure which is, that says, um, let me see. Yeah, Edwin says it will be hard for God to work through a person who is not humble as they will pursue their agenda and not God's agenda. Very, very good, Edwina. Very, very good. That when a person is proud, and the word proud, the Greek word is the word zadon, Z-A-D-O-N. It means inflated opinion, overconfidence to the point of moral failure, dishonest self-promotion. So when a person is proud, it's all about you. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, maybe we'll pick this up next week. That is what got Satan into trouble. Um, you want to read for next week before we come next week. I think it's Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Um, if you read through, you'll find the verses. That Satan was beginning to think himself equal to God. That's right. So... Humility, ladies and gentlemen, God trusts humility. And I'm going to end with the scriptures. Three minutes past. I'm going to end with this scripture and um, we'll go home and then meet and finish up. So, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married, married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Now, that, that's, you can look into that and study. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? What are we seeing there, ladies and gentlemen? They're beginning to think about themselves. Has, you know, doesn't God speak through us as well? But the Lord heard them, verse 3. Now, Moses was very humble more humble than any other person on the earth. You know, the Bible did not put that there for sure, ladies and gentlemen. There's a reason why God put that and emphasizes, says Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person. Last question as we end. Was Moses always humble? Was Moses always humble? Was Moses always humble? Absolutely not, ladies and gentlemen. He was not humble at all. This was somebody who grew up in Pharaoh's palace. You know, you know, he enjoyed the best, you know, enjoyed the power and all that, even though he had a staring about God's purpose for his, his life and all. But Moses was not always humble and he stepped out prematurely because his character was not formed, killed an Egyptian, and then may. He went into the wilderness as well for 40 years. He had his own test in the wilderness for 40 years. By the time he came back, ladies and gentlemen, Numbers 12, the Bible says, more humble than any other person. God, actually, let me read it. Let me read it, and then I'll end. Um, it says, this is what God says from verse 6. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in, in dreams. But not with my servant Moses, 
of all my house is the one that I trust. God trusts humility. Let me end, ladies and gentlemen. We've gone five minutes over. Apologies. Um, next week is Bank Holiday Monday. So we will skip next week so you can enjoy your Bank Holiday. And then we'll meet the following week. And then we'll end this study on character. Um, we're going to look at the two key characteristics, humility and love. Humility and love. So you want to prepare. We'll do that not next week the week after. We'll continue with humility and then we'll finish with love um, in two weeks' time. You also want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Um, let's just break down love and then we'll look at the fruit of the Spirit. So God bless you guys. Um, apologies. we didn't. I, I hope you would have finished humility today, but we'll continue. So apologies and um, have a good evening. God bless you.